Glad you're here. Thanks for joining us for this round of our pastoral devotionals. We're not doing much this week, only looking at one of the most debated, uh, talked about, um, sort of argued over passages in all of the New Testament. No biggie. Uh, we're in Matthew chapter um, 16. So we are looking at verses 13 through 20. We did a part one last week, part two this week. And last week, remember, we heard Peter's confession. And this was the confession um, and the, the certainty of it, which Jesus um, promised that I am sovereign over the church, I will build the church, okay? Um, in and around and on this confession that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God. But, but what we're looking at this week is how exactly does that work? And of course, this involves the role of Peter, and um, that's where we're going to pick it up today. All right, so if you've got your Bibles, I know you do. Let me read the whole passage, and, and you know it's serious when I, when I brought my notebook with, with, a few, with a few notes here. But let's start with verse 13, chapter um, 16 in Matthew. So here we go. Now, when Jesus came into the district, of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, who do people say the Son of Man is? And they said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. He said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter replied, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I tell you, you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. And the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. I will give you the keys of the kingdom, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Now, as we're thinking about what this means, Jesus has said, look, I'm going to build my church. So, so Jesus is the sovereign here. He is the king. And he's, we've already seen from last week that Jesus saying, you know, you did not come up with this on your own, Simon, but it's God who revealed it to you. My father who revealed it to you. It's showing us the, the sovereignty of God, okay? The, the purpose and the special place of election, because otherwise Peter would, or none of any of us would never come to this conclusion on our own. And so Jesus is showing himself the sovereign. And he does make it clear here, I will build my church. Okay, my church, I will build it. The question is how and what is the role of Peter? Okay, so let's look back at the text. And it says, I tell you, you are Peter. Okay, and on this rock, I will build my church. So if you... Um, if you look at the Greek words for Peter and rock, they are virtually the same, Petra, Petri, and um, clearly this, a form of the same word. And so Jesus is, is clearly making an alliteration here. Now, now what's interesting is that the word, P, I mean, the name Peter, what was not known. So Jesus is making up a name, okay? And the fact that he gives him the word rock, it would be kind of like us calling as a nickname someone Rocky, all right? That's, that's the equivalent, okay? So if your name is Peter, sorry, you're, you're really, you're, your real name is, is Rocky. So Petra Petri. 
Now, the way that the Roman Catholic Church has interpreted this passage is that what they say Jesus is doing is setting the primacy of Peter in the order of the building of the church, that, that, that Peter is now the greatest of the apostles, okay, and that um, hence through Peter is established a line of authority by which to rule and govern the church through this single man, okay? And the way that they historically understood that, that that person is the bishop of Rome. There's many bishops, but we know that the bishop of Rome, of course, is the pope. And so the, the idea here is that the pope, as the representative of Peter, speaks with the same authority as Peter. And just as the apostles would write letters and um, issue announcements about what is apostolic doctrine, what is true, what is false, etc., the Pope today and the church speak with that same authority. Um, if the Pope speaks ex cathedra, he speaks as if he is Jesus Christ. And this is what the whole Roman system and church is built around, is this interpretation of Matthew chapter 16. Now, let me briefly tell you why I think that is um, not at all what Jesus is teaching here or this passage. First of all, we, we need to understand how did the, the apostles themselves understand Jesus saying this, okay? Uh, you are now Petri, and upon this rock, Petra, I will build, this, build my church. How did they understand it? Well, if it was to be understood as Peter, as the authority overall, okay, then this certainly is not the way they acted upon the heels of this confession. We know in the Gospels, they go on to argue about who's the greatest in the kingdom. They go on to ask Jesus who is the greatest in the kingdom. They go on to approach Jesus and say, can I be the greatest in the kingdom? Never in any of this, of course, does Jesus say anything about Peter, okay? Secondly, we need to remember that even though we don't base our theology solely on history, stuff that happens outside the Bible, this is clearly not the way the New Testament church was understanding this. And the reason we know that, just two examples, we know that Paul, he confronted Peter okay, in um, Antioch for the way that Peter was mistreating Gentile Christians. And Paul goes so far as to say, even if Peter or anyone or myself preach a gospel contrary to what you've heard, let him be anathema. And so here, Paul has a very public rebuke of Peter. Peter is not infallible. Another example is at the um, uh, Council of Jerusalem, okay, in Acts 15, where Peter is um, one of several who are speaking at that council, but he is not the one who's governing that council. He is not the, the sole authority. He is not the, the spokesman. That falls to James, okay? And so when you take all these things into consideration, it seems that this is highly, highly unlikely, not to mention um, if you look at the history of the development of the church, the primacy of the Bishop of Rome was something that only emerged decades, hundreds of years after Peter was martyred, okay? So it seems to be something that developed later in the life of the church that the Roman church then looked upon this text for justification for what it does. Okay, 
So if that's not what it's saying, that, that Peter is the Pope, the primary uh, authority under Christ, what is it saying? Now, Protestants, okay, or, or those outside the Roman Church, or Greek Orthodox, would, would, would point to this and say, well, no, what Jesus is saying here is that he's not building the church on Peter, he's building the church on Peter's confession, okay? And certainly, that's true, right? I mean, if there is no proper confession of who Jesus is, you don't have a church, okay? Um, at the same time, I think Protestants can be too quick to, to, to not take seriously what Jesus is saying, okay? So when Jesus says, um, you are Peter on this rock, I'll build my church, while he may not be establishing the primacy of Peter um, in an authoritative sense, he very clearly is meaning us to associate those two things. Um, Jesus is building the church on the rock and the rock of Peter. And when you look at the New Testament, clearly we see Peter plays an incredibly prominent role, right? Some have argued that Acts 1 through 12 is about Peter and his leadership in the church, and Acts 13 through 28 is about Paul and his leadership of the church. And I think a good case can be made for that. Every time we see Peter speaking, he's speaking as a spokesman for the apostles. He is the natural leader. He is the one who is preaching and speaking at Pentecost. And so to say that Jesus didn't mean anything by associating Peter uh, with rock and the building of the church, I think is disingenuous, and I think is not reading the, take, the text faithfully. So you may say, okay, Pastor Paul, well, what does Jesus mean here? I think when Peter confesses this, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God, Jesus says, upon this rock I'll build my church, he is pointing to something that I think um, Paul echoes in Ephesians chapter 2. So I want you to, if you have your Bibles, and again, I know you do, um, turn over to Ephesians chapter 2. Because there is a primary role for the apostles, okay? You can't mistake that, of which Peter is a, is a huge piece of this, not from a he speaks infallibly for Jesus, but because he is a sort of a, a first among equals. He's a leader of leader of the apostles. And it's Peter as representative of the apostles that Jesus is saying, I'm going to use your, the, the authority of the apostles as represented by Peter as the foundation of my church, not for their naked authority, right, but for their teaching, Okay, so let's, let's look at um, Ephesians 2, 19. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets. Foundation sounds a lot like a rock. Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. And so what does Jesus build his foundation on? He builds it, he's the cornerstone, but he builds it on the foundation of the apostles, okay? Now, when we say the foundation of the apostles, I don't think Jesus here means their naked authority, like as if they could sin, but as if they couldn't sin, but, but he means their authority as derived from the 
teaching entrusted to them by Jesus, okay? So if you go back to Acts chapter 2 for a second, and what does it say that the disciples were committing themselves to, okay? So now we're in Acts, I'm sorry, we're at Acts chapter 2, um, Oh, I'm looking. Okay, here we go. Verse 42, Acts 2. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. Now, where did the apostles get this teaching? Of course, they got it from Jesus, right? Which is why we want to say, yes, Peter, God is building his church through Peter and the other apostles, um, as in as much as they teach and base their authority on the word of God and the teachings given them by Jesus, which is why Paul can say, so if Peter is teaching something apart from what was given to him by Christ, then Peter is not functioning in a valid spiritual, as a valid spiritual authority, okay? So what we see here, and the reason it's so important to reject the Roman system, when you say there's two authorities, the church and the word of God, and they are two authorities, but when you put them as co-equal, the Roman church interprets this to mean the way the church interprets the Bible, right? Authoritatively. When in reality, what we've seen, and so what ends up happening is the word becomes subordinate to the authority of the church versus the authority of the church has to become subordinate, okay, to the teaching, through the, the apostolic message. Jude calls this the faith once for all delivered to the saints. Paul calls this 2 Timothy 2.2, and trust the reliable men, the message you've heard, who will also be qualified to teach others. The emphasis for the church, the foundation of the church, with Jesus being the cornerstone, is always the teaching of the apostles which they receive from Jesus. So the apostles are dead. Um, there is, there are no living apostles. So, so what is our authority? Our authority is the teaching that they have given us, which we have received and which ultimately came from Jesus. All right. So, so that's where I think we want to land the plane on this passage. Now that obviously raises even more questions. So when Jesus talks here about binding and loosing, okay. Um, as part of this authority, what is he talking about? What does this mean? Well, of course, you're going to have to check in tomorrow where we're going to pick it right back up there. But for today, just remember, we function and the apostles function under the authority of King Jesus. And it's his word given to the apostles, given to us that govern us, not one person's naked authority invested in their office um, saying whatever it is they want to say, sometimes contrary to the word, sometimes contrary to what they've said before, that's, that's, a, that's a path to destruction, right? It's a path to confusion. It's a path to losing the gospel, which, of course, is what we have seen in the Roman Catholic Church. All right. Um, we'll pick that right back up here tomorrow morning. Hope you join us. Lord, we do pray that wherever your people are gathered, whether they're in, at Four Oaks in a denomination in the Roman Catholic Church, where, wherever they happen to be, that you, that you would be the cornerstone, that you would be the centerpiece 
um, and that if churches are teaching something contrary to the gospel, that you would correct that, that you would lead people to a more faithful place and witness. But Lord, let us not think about this theoretically. Let us think today, how do we bring ourselves under your authority and teaching in your word? In your name we pray. Amen. Thanks, everybody. See you tomorrow.